This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on the Wednesday evening signing day spectacular. You know, I promised you guys marching bands and dancing girls. And dancing girls are all in bed by now. It's 928, man. I promised you guys we do it in the evening. And your boy is wet. Not going to lie. Got about four hours sleep back-to-back nights. Trying to track down information for you guys. Getting up early. Bringing the kid to school. Got to do the dishes. Do laundry. All that kind of stuff. No rest for the wicked, man. But what a great day in Starkville, Mississippi. We're going to break the whole thing down. All we're going to talk about today is recruiting. We'll talk about basketball later in the week. All we're talking about is recruiting today. Break down the class, how it all looks, where does it rank in the SEC, what does it rank nationally, what can you expect the rest of the process. But I'm excited. Yeah, we did a preview yesterday, right? Yesterday, we did a preview and uh, went 100%, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's correct. Told you guys Trent Ramsey was going to Cal. He did. Told you we'd get everybody else with a couple of exceptions. You know, I told you guys, too, that um, there were a couple of guys that may or may not sign. They didn't. They hadn't yet. That doesn't mean that we're not going to get them. A.J. Allen, of course. Committed to TCU as a running back. Elected not to sign today. That's an L for TCU. Marcus Banks is a transfer. As is Chambers, a transfer. You know, they um, they can sign whenever they want to because they're transfers. And so there's not a lot of uh, urgency, I guess, for them to make a decision. They can't visit between now and January. So if they're going to enroll somewhere for spring practice – they got to do it pretty quick because there will not be any permissible official visits between now and the time to report for school. But we're still chasing some guys, and we're going to get to that much later in the show. Much later in the show. I'm going to break it down for you and kind of tell what you look for. And so that's the thing, too, about rankings, right? For the first time ever, there's going to be kind of a consolidated ranking once we get all transfers ranked and that sort of stuff, so you'll have your regular signing day rankings, which is all anybody really cares about. But then we're going to have a consolidated. Because you remember last year, and we've had this discussion on Twitter, you know, it's amazing how the narrative changes, right? So like last year, like the Ole Miss people were like, hey, well, listen, uh, you know, we beat you guys in the rankings. We're like, well, yeah, but we didn't get any points from Akai Polk and Jalen Green and Randy Charlton, Jameer Calvin, and we didn't. We didn't, and imagine what our team would have been like without those guys. Didn't help us in the rankings. It helped us on the field. Well, you know, now you know they're planning to sign more guys out of the portal, and so you know, they're ranking their team rankings on 247 Sports. Not really going to be impacted by that, but we'll do the consolidated rankings. It'll be awfully interesting. One of the things I think is funny, too, is like I read about all these people are going to sign all these transfers, including us, 
and you think, okay, we're already up against the 85. Like we sent out 26 packets today, right? 26. Well, not all 26 were used. Now, some of them still may be used, right? Mississippi State announces 18 signees, but there were actually 20 signees today. So there were six packets that went unused. Right? You can do the math with me. And so you still got some room to work there. You still got some needs out there to fill. Some of those will be with the portal. But if we're going to add a couple more high school guys, and that's a possibility, you're going to have to see some more guys leave. And that's going to happen after bowl camp. Okay, you're going to have a lot of guys leave, not just at Mississippi State, but around the country. And I say a lot of guys, not a lot of guys for us. There'll be some guys leave. You know, we discussed this on the show Monday. We've only got four in the portal, and one of those is a former walk-on, London Craft. But there'll be, there'll be a couple others. We'll have some room to kind of work with, for sure. Uh, but the reality of it is Mississippi State met a lot of their needs today with some really good players. And it's like people always ask me, you know, Steve, who would you throw back? I wouldn't throw any of these guys back. Number one, they wanted to be at Mississippi State. Number two, your coach has properly evaluated them. And you go back and look at the film yourself. You tell me what you think. I wouldn't throw them back. I'd add to them, but I wouldn't throw them back. So we're going to talk about that today real quickly just to kind of get you guys up to date. The only rankings that matter, the 247 sports rankings. A lot of other people rank players. ESPN is trash. I'm just taking now. They, I wish we would take them out of the composite. I know we almost have to do it. It's a professional courtesy. But they do such a poor job evaluating players. And you would think, I'm always here, but, oh, we got this guy and that guy over here. Yeah, well, let me see it in the rankings. Quit giving me your resume. Give me the rankings. Their rankings are terrible. They're always terrible. But SEC Network, part of the ESPN family, they got to use them. But they're trash. Mississippi State in the top 20 in most rankings right now, as it should be. Let's take a quick look. How does 247 view the class? And that's the thing, too. It's not a matter of personal opinion. Now, it's compounded on a lot of personal opinions, but everybody is assigned a value as a player, and then it kind of goes from there. You're used to, in the infancy of the rankings process, people would try to assess how a team met their needs and then rank classes on top of that, and that provided a lot of ambiguity you know, we used to call it, um, you know, rivals used to do this thing basically after signing day, then they would go back and re-rank the classes. You know, forget whatever all the players are ranked. Let's go back and change them to fit our needs. And a lot of that was based on subscription sales, right? We all know it. We know we're not stupid. It's a different day and time now. But the Mississippi State class right now ranked 22nd in the country. Last year, Mississippi State on signing day in February was at 25. And then there were some late signees that moved to school ahead of us that dropped us to 26. But on signing day, we were 26, 25, excuse me. So we're 22 right now with a little room to move up. And again, we're going to sign a handful of transfers, so that's not really going to impact the actual rankings. But what, So what does that mean, Steve? We're 22nd in the country. What does that mean overall? Well, let's talk about that. Pretty incredible. So let's run it down for you. Mississippi State 22 nationally, and uh, the top three schools in the 247 sports composite rankings, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia. That's the neighborhood in which we live. 
Then it's Ohio State, Texas, Penn State at six, Notre Dame at seven, North Carolina eight, Michigan nine, Oklahoma ten. Most of those are pretty consistent. You know, Mac Brown's always recruited well. North Carolina, not necessarily always a top 10 recruiter, but they are this year. Number 11 is Kentucky. A bit of a jump for them, too. I read on Gene's page, they were, you know, they were 34 last year, jumped up to 11 this year. 20 commitments, doing a good job. Number 12, Missouri, probably the biggest surprise, man. Those guys did a great job. And that's kind of a talent-rich state, too. You would think Missouri would be better. And, of course, a lot of people recruit, you know, Kansas City, St. Louis. So you've got some major metropolitan areas up there cranking out some prospects. And Eli Drinkwitz and his staff doing a good job keeping those guys at home. Number 13, it's Florida State. They would have been much higher. However, they lose the number one prospect in the country, right? Surely you guys have heard about this, right? I know you have. It's been the biggest story all day long when it's come to uh, to recruiting. As Travis Hunter, the number one prospect according to 247 Sports, decommitted from Florida State and committed to Jackson State. There are a few things I want to say about this. Number one, I think it's a great thing, not just for Dion and Jackson State, but for HBCUs. Now, let's be honest, they don't have the facilities and a lot of the amenities. But as Travis Hunter said, he understands that this decision is bigger than him. I admire that. I really do. It would be much easier to go the the easier, softer way, right? Now, there's also some incentives involved in this. And that's where it gets a little tricky. That's where it gets a little tricky. And I think in many respects, you put the state Mississippi and its lawmakers in a very interesting position. Now, let me tell you guys this. I'm a fan of name, image, and likeness legislation because we can't let it be the wild, wild west. I mean, you can't just have somebody just say, okay, listen, I'm going to give this kid $25,000 and get nothing in return. There's got to be a fair market value established you know, for each player and, and the goods and services that are exchanged. So you can't just funnel players money through the name, image, and likeness program. But what's being alleged, and I don't know how true this is, is that uh, Barstool Sports is going to uh, film a documentary and they're giving this guy like $1.5 million. And again, I don't, I don't know that that's true. But here's the problem with that. Is it's illegal in the state of Mississippi. You cannot negotiate a name, image, and likeness agreement in the state of Mississippi, and that and people, well, he's not from Mississippi. Doesn't matter. Jackson State is in Mississippi, so they are subject to state law. And so, if they have in fact reached an agreement that if he goes to Jackson State, that he gets certain benefits and compensation through name, image, and likeness, then that's going to be an issue. That's going to be a real challenge and test for lawmakers. And let me tell you this: I think that everybody should be able to profit for their name, image, and likeness. There needs to be some regulation of it, but I think everybody should. I think in many respects, the way that it's currently structured puts Mississippi schools and Mississippi's high school athletes at a disadvantage. I mean, you've seen the thing, you know, quarterbacks and the prospects around the country, they're signing these huge name, image, and likeness deals in high school. Why shouldn't our young people be able to do that? You say, well, you know, Steve, it opens up a Pandora's box. Guys, the box is already open. 
And so I look at it now and I say, okay, this is where I think the Jackson State thing is interesting. And again, I, I'm not faulting Jackson State. I believe the Mississippi law is too restrictive. Now, if this goes through, if, if Jackson State is allowed to do this, then it opens up the door for State and Ole Miss to do it next year. Let's say, for an example, we've got some wealthy you know, philanthropist or some company out there that says, hey, we want to sign a name, image, and likeness with this player if he goes to Mississippi State. And you know there'll be people with Ole Miss lined up to do it, right? Because this is a legal way to do it. And so if, that's, if this is allowed to stand, then it is a precedent-setting situation that opens a door for other schools in Mississippi to follow through. That's my point. And some people kind of misconstrued what I said on Twitter. And, you know, I only get 280 characters to work with, okay? And I didn't want to do a bunch of follow-up tweets on National Signing Day. But I did look up the law. And you also can't enter into a name, image, and likeness agreement, you know, with gambling entities or alcohol or drugs or erotic services, things like that. You can't do that in the state of Mississippi, and so if this deal is, as it's reported, is correct, and I don't know that it is, that you know, pen wagering at live gaming site, if they're involved, then, okay, that, that's also against the law in the state of Mississippi. And so either it's going to stand and everybody's going to be able to do it next year or it's going to be struck down, and then what happens to this young man, does he then elect, oh, well, this deal's falling apart. I'm going to go in the portal. Then all of a sudden, the sweepstakes opens up again. And so I believe as interesting as this story is today, I believe it is just really the beginning of the story because this is an, a groundbreaking situation in many respects. Now, what happens if they say, hey, listen, hey, you guys can't do this? And then the guy leaves, and then it's like, well, why is this guy being discriminated against, you know, right? Because of his age. And I think there'll be some legal challenges with all of this, which will likely lead to the law in the state of Mississippi being changed. It's all new to everybody, okay? So nobody's truly at fault right now. It's just kind of a test of this new name, image, and likeness legislation in the state of Mississippi. That's my point. I have no qualms at all with Jackson State using whatever resources are available to them to go get a big-time player. It's true. And I think Deion Sanders has been great, not just for Jackson State, but for the state of Mississippi. You know, he said, hey, we would love for everybody to come out and come to the SWAC title game when all the state and Ole Miss fans come, and some went. I, I think, And this is my honest opinion about this, too. And, uh, you know, for years and years and years, the SWAC schools didn't go play in the FCS playoff, and I, and I absolutely hate that. You know, because when I lived in Baton Rouge, you know, Southern went and won the NAFL championship a couple times. Um, there was one year, LSU and Southern both were, were both uh, number one in their respective polls. You know, Southern had won the black NAFL championship, the HBCU NAFL ch- in their polls, and LSU had won. And it, it was, guys, it was a glorious time in the city of Baton Rouge. Everybody was happy. You didn't have a situation where, like, well, you know, Southern didn't get a chance to compete. They were still rewarded, too. Pete Richardson, those guys are in a great program. The Southern Jags were incredible, man. They put a lot of guys in the league. And you had a lot of guys, too, that couldn't make it at LSU. For some reason, they just go across town. They could stay in town go play for Pete. 
And so I think it's great. I wish all of our football programs in the state of Mississippi, with the exception of Ole Miss, were very, very good at football. I remember being a kid, and I talked about this to somebody earlier today. I said, you guys don't fully appreciate this. When I was a young man growing up in South Mississippi, you know, fourth or fifth grade or whatever, you know, the big game for us, we played Southern and played Ole Miss. But let me tell you this. The rivalry among my African-American friends was the Soul Bowl, man. That was as big a deal to them as the battle for the Golden Egg was to us. And so we kind of got washed up in it too, right? Because we'd have – one of my friends would say, well, hey, who are you pulling for? Who are you, well, who are you pulling for? I'm pulling for Jackson State. Well, I'm with you because we're friends. Well, the next thing you know, I'm watching the game. I'm watching the game because I want to come back and talk trash to my friend's friends. They were pulling for Alcorn. So it's great. I think what's happened with Jackson State is great. Now, I'll be honest with you, Deion Sanders has far exceeded my expectations. I know many of you guys feel the same way. And he, he was talking earlier this week, we're going to shock the nation. They have. Everybody in the country is talking about this. What Deion Sanders and Barstool Sports has done. Everybody. It is the story of National Signing Day. Think about A&M gets the number one class. Nobody's talking about it. They're all talking about this. And can you imagine being on the other end of this? Your Florida State... You've struggled. You've had back-to-back five-win seasons, back-to-back seasons you didn't make a ball game. You've got an opportunity to land the number one prospect in the country, a five-star guy that will probably pull you into the top ten. Mike Novell and the crew could put together a top ten class. All of a sudden, there's some, some room for optimism. And then all of a sudden, the rumors start making the rounds like, hey, he's not going to stick. Oh, so, oh we're going to lose him to Georgia? We're going to lose him to Alabama? Is he going to go to Florida? He's going to Jackson State. What? He's going to Jackson State. You mean Mississippi State? No, Jackson State. It is the biggest coup, the biggest blindside in the history of college football recruiting. There is no question about it. It's remarkable. And again... I got to like the fact that JSU is kind of pushing the envelope a little bit because I think it could bring change for all of our schools in Mississippi. And some would say maybe that's negative. I don't think it is. I think we're at a disadvantage right now. I mean, you heard Lane Kiffin. I have not watched a press conference. I've seen some of the comments. A lot of people were kind of misconstruing his comments about we talked about the portal. And a lot of these guys are going to where they can get paid. They're not necessarily paid with illegal inducements. They're getting paid through name, image, and likeness. And so, as a result, the transfer markets become more competitive. So, let's find a way to allow our schools to be more competitive. We would not want to put Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Southern Miss and other schools in Mississippi at a competitive disadvantage when it comes to the transfer market. And that's we've talked about this on this show for the better part of a year and a half now. That the the one-time transfer rule and name, image, and likeness was going to be hand-in-hand. And people are like, well, Steve, I don't understand. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Now, you're not supposed to be able to offer name, image, and likeness compensation as part of your recruiting pitch. Universities can't be involved in it, right? But you and I both know how that's going to work. I mean, you know, Joe Blow – you know, from Bug Tussle Tech, we'll go in and meet with Johnny's football and say, hey, listen, you come to us, 
I got a car dealership in there that's going to sign you to a name, image, and likeness deal, and they're going to give you a, a, you know, a car every year to use. Maybe they give you a car to keep. Oh, well, I could have got a car illegally, but now you're telling me I can get one that I don't have to pay for. I just got to send out some tweets and maybe show up and sign some autographs and take pictures a couple times a year. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Well, then the next school comes in. You know, let's say it's, uh, you know, Texas Northwestern. Oh, well, listen, we've got a name, image, and likeness deal, too, and we'll get you a car, but also, too, we've got, you know, a, real, a realty company, a real estate company, too. If you go, you'll be part of their ad campaign, uh, they're going to let you stay in a condominium for free. Nobody's out anything at that point, right? And so if you're another school, maybe you can't do those sorts of things. And so trust me, those things are going to happen. Now, it may not be the coaches making the deals, but they can say, hey, listen, I know a guy that's really interested in you. He thinks you'd be great for his marketing campaign, for his company. I'm going to give you his card. Or let me give you a name, put it in your phone. You call this guy. That way there's no paper trail. It's going to happen that way. I mean, listen, the rules only apply to the law abiding, right? We all, we all know this. All right, let's get back to the rankings before we move on to the show. Uh, Tennessee right there at 14, Auburn at 15. And listen, the, Auburn has had no momentum this year ever since Brian Harrison got there. They, they hired got the Gus bus, right? And everybody's like, okay, we finally got him out of here. And then you get a 6-6 six and six season, and they had no juice recruiting-wise. And then today they flipped some guys and had a pretty good close and up a top 15 class. And again, some room to work with. Uh, Stanford in there at 16. They're not always a top 20 recruiter. That's good for them. Clemson down at 17. What's going on there? You know, Clemson had a, a kind of a subpar year this year by Clemson standards, and all of a sudden, you know, you're out of the top 15 this year in recruiting. That's awfully interesting. Only one five-star kid in the commitment list. LSU at 18. Only 13 commitments. they still got some room to work with. Arkansas right there at 19 in the composite. Indiana is at 20, Michigan State 21, your Bulldogs 22, South Carolina 23. Even with the addition of uh, Stone Blanton, they finished behind us. But let's be honest with this thing, too, and I've touched on this earlier in the week. You know, Shane Beamer's done an outstanding job. It's, oh, Steve, you're over. No, no. There was, South Carolina wasn't expected to do anything this year. They were picked to win three and four games, but most of the talking heads are six and six, and they got a top 25 class. How can you not say Shane Beamer has done a good job? He has. Ole Miss is there at 24. Oklahoma State, 25. Okay, so there, there we go with that. Now, here's another thing, too, I think is interesting. You know, we begin to kind of look. That's the composite, you know, because, you know, we, we include all these other people. Uh, and the composite sometimes can be skewed. But just so you guys know, the 247 rankings, like the based on the 247 formula your mississippi state class is ranked 17th in the country it's like a lot of people go look at that number there there's two numbers there the big bold number left of mississippi state's name is the industry composite so you're ranked 22nd in the country based on the rankings around the country with all companies with the exception of on three but just based on the evaluations of the 247 players 17th in the country Ole Miss, 22nd. South Carolina, 25. So that's just some food for thought there. Just thought I would share that with you guys because, again, it's uh, one of those things that always kind of gets – the composite is awfully confusing for some people. 
Does that make sense? And so, you know, I just think it's important to kind of look at this and kind of take some things in its proper context. And uh, I just flipped the script, too, to look at the rankings, the, the consolidated rankings for transfers, right? At this point, we don't have any. We're still 23rd. Ole Miss still behind us at, at 24. But we'll see how things look in the end. But the bottom line is Mississippi State uh, meeting their needs today. That's the thing. That's It's like, well, you know, yeah, the, the rankings are great. You know, we have seen, you know, I remember, you know, some Ed Orgeron classes, uh, you know, when he was at Ole Miss that, They'd be ranked high, but he wouldn't have enough offensive linemen to go out there and play competitive football. And so, yeah, you, you got a great class on signing day, but what did the team look like on reporting day? And that was one of the things Nick Saban talked about a lot when he got to LSU from Michigan State. You know, LSU fans were always so obsessed with having a number one recruiting class. They'd go out and sign a bunch of non-qualifiers just for the rankings because back in those days, you could oversign. It was no big deal if you signed a bunch of non-qualifiers. You can't do that anymore because you got a hard 25 to work with. You don't get that grant back. If you sign a non-qualifier and he doesn't make it, you just don't have a scholarship spot to fill. But so back those days, everybody's like, hey, well, Coach, you know, we're used to having number one recruiting rankings you know, around here. We like to sign those top pretty classes. And Nick told him pretty quick, yeah, you were number one on signing day. Then all of a sudden, half a dozen of those high-rated players don't show up. And so we want to be number one on reporting day, not on signing day. And so I think it's a big thing to look at, too. The recruiting rankings only tell part of the story. They do. They are an important part of the story. They don't tell the full story, though. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I've rambled on a while now. Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Love those folks to death. Man, they do a great job. Prepare you a great meal and a great atmosphere at a great price. Great portions. That's the selling point to me. I can eat anywhere I want to in Starkville. I can. You can too. But I want to go where I get my money's worth. There are some places I go and it's a little bit overpriced, and then they kind of under-deliver. And it's like, well, look at this great atmosphere. Guys, I didn't come in here to look at the decorations. I came in here to eat. That's what you get at Bulldog Burger Company. It is a great atmosphere. I don't have to have a neon light in my face to feel like I've had a good meal. But I can go to Bulldog Burger Company. I know exactly what I'm going to get. I'm going to get consistency. I'm going to get quality. I'm going to get good service. And that's why I go so often. So happy to partner with them. Three great locations to serve you right here, University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and, of course, the brand new one. Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and check them out today. Central Mississippi, you've got your own Bulldog Burger Company to celebrate now. Have the chocolate shake as your dessert to go. If you're going to sit, maybe get that Shipley's Donut Bread Pudding. That's always my favorite. Sometimes you got to treat yourself a little bit, and that's what I do. I, I go have that great restaurant-quality hamburger, and I go, I go all the way out, man. I get the spring rolls, the appetizer, everything. It is an event when I go to Bulldog Burger Company. It will be for you, too. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's break down the class. Here are some numbers for you. 14 Mississippi players in the Mississippi State class. You got 14 from Mississippi, two from Georgia, two from Louisiana, two from Texas, one from Alabama, one from Tennessee. Pretty good numbers, right? That's 22 players in the class. You got 18 guys that have technically signed and been released by the university. You have two others that have signed but hadn't been released. They're going to release. On their, own da- on their own time, 
because they're doing something like they're one. So one player, his uh, sister died January 10th. And so he is going to basically have a ceremony on that day to honor the passing of his dear sister. And I think that is a wonderful thing. And so while he is a bulldog, it won't officially be released until that day. There is also another young man that's already signed that wanted to have the big signing day celebration with his friends. And that's going to happen in February at the traditional signing day. Some of his friends still working through their options. But you don't need to worry. That's the thing that I'll tell you. A lot of people say, oh, well, I don't understand why these guys hadn't signed. Well, that's why. They've, they're good. Okay, they're good. They're bound to Mississippi State. But... They just haven't been announced. They're not delaying anything. They're not holding out for another offer. The decision is done. Now, you've got a couple other guys we talked about, R.J. Moss and, of course, uh, Dakota Jordan. Dakota Jordan did have a signing day ceremony today, and as I mentioned before, uh, if he doesn't get drafted high enough to go to forego school, he'll go on a scholarship rolls in August. The guy's a bulldog, though. Everybody just chill. Everybody relax. And R.J. Moss, of course, uh, I'm told from our people down in Biloxi, he's going to be fine. He is. And uh, I'm not worried about it. And if they're not worried about it, I'm not going to worry about it. And if I'm not worried about it, you shouldn't be worried about it. Because I worry about all this stuff. I do. I worry about it to the point that it makes me sick sometimes. Because I want it to be accurate information. So I work the sources hard. And so you got 22 guys in this class. And let's, let's break it down by position. Quarterback Braden Locke. We get, you guys ought to be familiar with him by now. Uh, he was a guy, he was not our first pick, not our first priority target. We offered him after we saw another quarterback go elsewhere. And that quarterback now back on the market, Tanner Bailey, really talented player too out of Gordo, Alabama. Braden was next on our list and State beats North Carolina for him. And we've been, had him in, in the class for a while and it was a big get for us a lot of people really excited then he goes on to break the texas high school touchdown single season record for 6a and as mike leach said today there have been a lot of touchdown passes thrown in the state of texas nobody's thrown more in 6a in one season than him pretty exciting stuff wide receiver we have four guys in the class as you guys are well aware by now but we won't stop at four it's crazy to think we started this process thinking we'd sign two, maybe three. We got four in. We may sign five, maybe six. That's right. Janoris Hobson out of Horn Lake. Like him a lot. First receiver in the class. Reminds me a little bit of kind of a thicker version of Jamie on Lewis. And he's an alpha. I went and watched him play this year in a seven-on-seven tournament. And when he is on the field, he wants the football, and his teammates want him to have the football because they know what he's going to do. It's kind of like, okay, daddy's home. Everybody clear our path, right? A little bit farther down the list here, you know, we got uh, Caden Pope. I, talk, I mentioned him. Caden Pope is uh, a guy we didn't expect to get, to be honest with you. He was a Tennessee lean early on. And this side to blue one day, you know, he comes and takes an official visit to Mississippi State. He's completely confused. I don't know what to do. i got to figure all this stuff out. And then I get a message one day. It says, hey, uh, he's committed to Mississippi State tomorrow. What? Yeah, he's committed to Mississippi State tomorrow. I, mean, I didn't think we were still in it. Get a hold of the kid. Sure enough, yeah, I'm committed to Mississippi State tomorrow. 
Don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't. We got our stories ready. Guy's electric, man. Just over six feet tall. And I'll be honest with you, the same guy that told me he was committing to Mississippi State sent me his information back around this time last year and said, hey, we've got a kid up here, goes to school with my kids, and he's electric, man. I'd love for State to take a look at him. We didn't have a profile page set up. So I set all that stuff up and look at his huddle. I'm like, wait a minute, this guy can really play. And now he's a Bulldog. Xavier Thomas out of John Aaron High School, Marrero. We've talked about him recently. An outstanding player. He is. Former Louisville commitment. We get right on that. It works out pretty good for us. And again, if you go watch his film, the thing that I keep asking myself is, what, what, what am I missing here? Like, I see his film, and I look at his offer sheet, and it doesn't appear that his offers match his natural ability. Go see for yourself. Go pull him up, Xavier Thomas on huddle, and go watch him yourself. I think you'll you'll see what I'm seeing. It's like I don't what why why didn't LSU offer this kid? Now, when LSU made the coaching change, there was some concern that perhaps LSU with the new staff would say, "Hey, we got to go get some guys, man. So let's go right here in our natural footprint. Let's go in our home state, get some boys from the boot, get this class to bed, and uh, then we'll get to work on next year." So we worried a little bit. When Brian Kelly and those guys got the job and Frank Wilson came back, and Frank, of course, the godfather of New Orleans, I thought, well, you know, Marrero's right there, a suburb of the Crescent City. We might be in trouble. I worried about this one. I didn't really put it out there on the message boards, but I did. I worried that we were going to have a Malik Neighbors repeat. I worried about it all the way up to today because I know how valuable this guy is to us and I know how much our fans like him. Marquez Dorch, I'm going to be honest with you guys, when, uh, when his buddy last year, MJ Daniels, committed to Ole Miss, I went ahead and crystal balled Marquez Dorch to Ole Miss too. Because those guys were thick as thieves, man. I said, well, we're not getting him as much as I hate it. We're not going to get him. And lo and behold, we got him. We did. And a lot of it had to do with projected position. And some people say, well, you know, Lane Kiffin and those guys should have just told him, man, you can play wide receiver and move him to cornerback. You know, with the one-time transfer rule, you can't do that anymore. You can't do the little the little recruiting speak, bait and switch position-wise. You can't do that anymore. It's too easy to transfer. So you get him up there, and all of a sudden, oh, we get through fall camp. Oh, well, okay, well, you tried receiver for a day. Hey, why don't you see if you can't get out there and guard this guy? And next thing you know, he's showing up in a cornerback meetings. And he's like, wait a minute, they just lied to me to get me on campus. And so, listen, you know, as much as I don't like those guys, I, I commend them for being honest. Probably saved themselves and Mark uh, Quest Dorch a bunch of trouble, right? That's the reality of that. Mississippi State benefits. Mississippi State liked him as a wide receiver. Ole Miss liked him as a cornerback. He wanted to be on offense and ends up being Mississippi State's highest-rated commitment. Now, I worried a little bit about his size. Saw him in this camp. He's bulked up a little bit. And uh, Tyson Brown will do a great job with him. But, uh, listen, as long as Steve Spurrier and Mike Leach are here, you can expect to sign four receivers a year. Spurrier told me he goes into every class expecting to sign four. Okay, offensive line-wise, really good day for Mississippi State. Ah, uh, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. 
in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Really, really good day for Mississippi State. So let, let's break these guys down real quick here. And, of course, you know, we, you know, we talked about Dakota Jordan. He is technically the only running back in the class right now. Could see something happen with A.J. Allen, currently committed to TCU out of North Louisiana up there. Did not sign with those guys today, which is a loss for them. Could you imagine how we would feel if we had a guy that didn't sign today, that we were unaware of the reasoning, like it's their decision not to sign? We would be beside ourselves, certainly. Glad it's them and not us. He may sign with Mississippi State this week, or he may wait and sign in February with somebody else or Mississippi State. We'll see. But State's still in contact with him. State's trying to get it done. Okay, so Jackson Cannon was the first offensive line recruit in this class. Well, and, and here's the thing. This is a guy, too, that um, he came to camp and was outstanding. You know, like a lot of people, a lot of people were kind of like, ah, oh, you know, look at his offer sheet, Steve. Why are we taking this guy? You know, when you're going to take five or six every year, you got to take a couple developmental guys. I mean, that's just the reality of life. We're not going to be able to go get five four-star four, four offensive linemen. It's not going to happen. It's not. And so we took Jackson Cannon and a guy that fell in love with the campus when he came in for an unofficial visit as a junior. And he said he got home, and this is way back before State even offered. He said, I told my parents if they ever offer me, that's where I'm going to go. He's a hunting and fishing kid from McDonough, Georgia, at Ola High School. Your first offensive line commitment. Now, Lucas Taylor was second, flipped from LSU. Now, of course, we have that self-loathing segment of our fan base to say, well, LSU must have dropped him. No, they didn't drop him. As a matter of fact, they continued to recruit him and tried to get him in for an, an official visit back this summer. Yeah, but, no, there's no buts. You know, sometimes we do a good job, too. Sometimes we're not just picking through the scrap heap. We're not going to dirt cheap looking for offensive linemen. Sometimes we just do a good job. Sometimes the guys just like us better, too. And it helped that Lucas Taylor's sister played softball here. So, he was familiar with Starkville. He was familiar with Mississippi State. Felt it was a better fit for him culturally. He is originally from George County, Mississippi. He's playing down there at St. Paul's Episcopal. Made the Alabama All-Star game and absolutely plowed some of those big Mississippi D linemen into the secondary. And then you got Jackson LaHue. 
When I watched his film, it immediately reminded me of Dylan Day for two reasons. Number one, he is as mean as a red-headed yard dog. And number two, I got so excited. I said, how in the world is this guy so underrated? Like when I saw Dylan Day's film out of West Monroe, I was like, holy smokes, what a steal we've got in this guy. And all he did is come up here and start for four years. Jackson LeHue, a lot like him. A bully on the field. Go watch his film. We got him bumped up in the rankings. I mean, like when I first looked at him, I was like, this is a joke. This is what he's ranked. You look at his senior film, we submit it for reevaluation. He gets a bump in the rankings. Probably should be rated higher. We have him as an 85-3. To be honest with you, I think he is the best high school offensive line prospect we signed. I think he's probably an 89. I think he's still undervalued, even with an increase in the rating. And you say, yeah, but Steve, look at the offers. Well, that's the thing. I don't count offers. Because offers can't be quantified. So you mean to tell me if I get all these kids to start saying, well, yeah, I got an offer from Alabama and LSU and Clemson and Florida and Florida State. Are you going to go rank them all four and five stars because of their offer sheet? Well, of course you're not. The film's got to match the offer sheet and vice versa. There are sometimes you watch the film and you kind of scratch your head a little bit and you say, wait a minute, what am I missing here? That's kind of the case with Jackson LeHue. This guy is a perfect fit for Mississippi State in the air raid offense. He's exactly the kind of guy Mason Miller's looking for. Now, of course, the crown jewel, Percy Lewis, 6'8", 360 pounds from Mac Adams High School, two years at Perk, rated as the top junior college offensive tackle in the country. And you know what? When you're losing two tackles, it's awful nice to be able to go get a plug-and-play guy like that. Now, here's the deal, too. It's a good thing he'll be here in January. He's probably got to drop maybe 20, 30 pounds. And even playing at 360, and he's trimmed up a little bit. He's probably closer to 340 or so. But you get him around 320, get him a little bit lighter on his feet, that guy's going to be a mauler, man. Go watch his film, too. He's a bully, too. That's the thing that I've noticed about the guys that Mason Miller are recruiting is he wants guys with a mean streak. He wants guys that are a little bit difficult, to say the least. Percy Lewis, of course, uh, picks Mississippi State over Ole Miss former Oregon commitment. And so, as I shared with you guys last night, I was a little bit anxious about it, but still expecting to be a Bulldog. He is a Bulldog. Great job of recruiting, without question. That's the thing, too. Like last year, everybody was so upset about offensive line recruiting. And then the class came together. I was like, hey, okay, this is pretty good. This class is better. And then we'll go out and get a supporter guy, too. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Let's thank our friend Blair Chandler. Blair sent me some talking points, too. You know, Blair, Blair loves being involved. He does. And I love Blair being involved. So Blair mentioned this uh, rather interesting. You know, he is with Fairway Mortgage. They were just named one of the top 10 mortgage lenders of 2021. It's voted by Secure Insight Registered Settlement Professionals Nationwide. Fairway Mortgage, right there at the top of the list, guys. Pretty impressive. Top 10 mortgage companies uh, to deal with them voted on by the settlement providers. And the number one, the number one mortgage company of the top 10, Fairway Mortgage. How about that? That's who Blair's working with. And you know what? He's a winner within a winning organization, top 1% close ratio in the country. If you're looking to refinance your home or, or buy a home, maybe, maybe you don't think, maybe we're not ready to qualify for that. He can get you pre-qualified. 
let you know what price range you're looking for, what your debt-to-income ratio looks like. This, this is the house in your price range. If you have the dream of home ownership and have never had that before, maybe you're looking to rebuild your life. I don't know. Blair's got to talk to. And because you're a Boneyard listener, if you mention to him, whether it be by text, by carrier pigeon, by phone, email, whatever, smoke signals, you let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. How cool is that? You're not going to get that deal anywhere else. Just by listening to a show, I can get up to a $500 value. That's right. Blair Chandler, phone number 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. You can find him at closewithblair.com. That's closewithblair.com. A mortgage professional, for sure. Okay, so top 10 list. So this comes to us from Trice Webb. Now, Trice is a huge rocker, and sometimes he'll message me and say, hey, have you ever heard this? Or he'll send me a song or something. Hey, what do you think about these guys? And Trice had a great idea. He sent me a handful of lists before, and this is probably one of the most complex ones that we've done. That's why I didn't want to do it yesterday. I wanted to give it some thought. And after this long and arduous day of dealing with all this recruiting stuff, it was nice to be able to kind of let my mind rest, but also to kind of focus on some music. Uh, So here is what Trice wants. He wants me to tell you my top, to pick my favorite song from the favorite album of my favorite front men in rock music. You got me? So I'm picking out the best front men, then I'm picking out my favorite album by that band, and then my favorite song from that album. So you can see it's a little complicated, right? So we're not, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get a greatest hit, right? Because there's some deeper tracks that I love, but a lot of these are, are big hits too because they're on big albums, right? And the reason they're big albums is because they got big songs. So this, again, is a pretty um, diverse list. Now, a couple of honorable mentions, and I know my friend Spence is going to be disappointed. I didn't have Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder on here. I didn't. If, if I had, I probably would have gone with, with, um, with Jeremy. Even though some days Versus is my favorite album, and if that was the case, we'd probably go, go with, um, I don't know how to think about that, Animal. Yeah, we'd go with Animal. But uh, they're not on the, on the list. And uh, my buddy Sam Denton, I almost put Stephen Piercy from Rat on the list. And many of you are like, Steve, my favorite album is Out of the Cellar because all you know is Round and Round. You know, I think my, my favorite album is uh, Reach for the Sky, and I would have gone with Way Cool Jr. How about that? I didn't put Vince Neil from Motley Crue on here, surprise, surprise. But it would, I would be hard-pressed not to put looks that kill on the list. All right, so here we go. Again, the criteria, my favorite front men in order, my favorite album by that band, and my favorite song on that album. I, I like the idea. This is fun to put together. So number 10 on the list. Only had one album, sadly. Died of a heroin overdose. But it's uh, Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone, the ones that really started the grunge movement out in Seattle. They were the kings of the Seattle sound before things broke them. And uh, Mud Honey, Screaming Trees, band like that, like that. We're kind of getting going. Green River, I guess. Um, but Mother Love Bone, and I got to go with Stardog Champion. Some of you would go with Crown of Thorns. I almost went with um, 
Captain Hot Top Love Commander, but no, it's Stardog Champion. And so years ago, when I was young in recovery, me and my buddy Thermos, his name was Jim, but we all had nicknames. And uh, my buddy Thermos, we started saying, hey, I'm Steve, I'm an alcoholic and an addict and a Stardog Champion because we were so cool. All right, number nine, I kind of went against the grain a little bit here just because I had to do it, man. I know it's, I know Trice asked for top front men. And I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't put this list together just with front men. I had to have a front woman. I did. And it's Ann Wilson from Hard Man. Oh, my gosh, what a legendary voice. Absolutely incredible. I know many of you are going to say, oh, well, Steve, it's going to be that. No, you're wrong. It's not going to be any of those songs. I'm going with the Bad Animals album. There was the self-titled album when Hart kind of made their big comeback. It was a huge hit. I like Bad Animals a little bit more. I thought I had a little more of an edge to it. And so we're going, who will you run to from Hart? Because I know that Ann Wilson is very much a woman, but she is a legendary performer. And I believe she is one of the front, the best front persons of all time, front men or women. She is an electric performer and has one of the greatest voices in the history of rock music. Number eight, a guy that I don't think gets enough due, man. I don't think he gets enough respect because of the way the band kind of broke up and stuff. And I think people have forgotten about him. He doesn't have the huge catalog a lot of people have. And he's had some other albums come out and production value hadn't been the same. But it's Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. I said at one time that I thought Sebastian Bach would have been the Robert Plant of my generation because his vocal range is just so remarkable. His voice control is so incredible. He has, he has that incredible range, but he also has enough grit in his voice that he can sing in the lower register. But I went with the Slave to the Grind album, and you're thinking, oh, Steve, here comes Monkey Business. You're wrong. You're wrong. I love every song on this album. I think it is one of the most complete albums in the history of rock and roll. And there's probably only about 10 albums that I would say, you know what, I can listen to everything start to finish and not want to change at least one song. But there's a song on that album that means a lot to me. And it was a song that I listened to a lot when I was uh, really in the depths of addiction and kind of looking to fight my way out. And uh, it's a song called In a Darkened Room from Skid Row. And I think it really shows Sebastian Bach's range probably at its finest. Number seven, my favorite singer-songwriter of all time. And I'll, I never really looked at him as a front man, though. And, and people say, well, Steve, maybe it's because he played guitar, too. You know, so he wasn't up there dancing around, that sort of stuff, drawing attention to himself. He was just a rocker. But it's Chris Cornell. I could have gone a million different directions here. You guys know we had Chris Cornell week here about six months ago. But I did go with a Soundgarden song. I could have easily gone with an Audio Slave song. But again, my favorite Chris Cornell album is Super Unknown. A lot of you were thinking... Uh, Steve, it's, it's Bad Motorfinger. Well, for me, it's Super Unknown. I love both of those, and some days it depends on what day you ask me. But I think Super Unknown had a little more range to it. And so I went with that, and I got to go with Fell on Black Days. It, it is, I think it is the quintessential Soundgarden song. Uh, number six, and you, and you can only imagine the quality of the list ahead of us if I put six different front men ahead of Chris Cornell. Nobody else plays guitar, though, just so you know. Uh, number six, it's Jim Morrison from The Doors. I was a little bit young, 
right? But I, I grew up hearing the doors as a young person. And I thought Jim Morrison used to kind of scare me a little bit. Like when I would see him on TV and stuff, like they would have those commercials or whatever, and they showed his live performances. And Jim just kind of scared me. And it's because of the fact that, you know, the music just kind of took over. Maybe the music and the drugs. But the reality of it was is Jim Morrison was an electric performer. Not just a great vocalist, not just an incredible lyricist, but a great front man. And so I went, I almost went Morrison Motel for the album, but I didn't. I went L.A. Woman. And my favorite track on that album is Love Her Madly. Love Her Madly by The Doors, number six. Number five, a little more modern, and a guy kind of in the same vein as Jim Morrison, just not quite as uh, hysterical. It's Bono from U2. And I know you're thinking, Steve, I love a Joshua Tree album too. I know you do. I know you do. That's kind of when they kind of became a corporate band. But I go back to the War album, and I'm going New Year's Day. A lot of attitude in that song. I think that's the one for me. All right, number four on the list, and really one of the the only maybe front men from my generation that I think probably deserves mention in the top five, which is why I kind of have them here. It's Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses. I, I started to be cute here and say, well, you know, let me go with like GNR Lies or something or maybe something off uh, – you know, use your illusion two or something, but I didn't. You got to go with Appetite for Destruction. That's an iconic album, right? I mean, that's like Led Zeppelin four. Like everybody has Appetite for Destruction. If you don't, you're kidding yourself. My favorite song on that album was not a hit. It was a deeper track. And everybody's like, well, there's Paradise City, there's Welcome to Jungle, there's Sweet Child of Mine. Nope. Nope. My favorite song on that album, without exception. The very first time I heard it, I remember who I was with. I was with my sister, Nikki's boyfriend, Kevin Smith. He had a gold uh, Grand Am. You remember those? And we're listening to Appetite for Destruction on cassette. And the song Night Train came on. And Stephen Adler hits that cowbell to start. And all of a sudden, I was captivated. I was like, holy smokes. This is the next single. It's got to be. never was. But Night Train. I love the attitude in that song, man. All right, number three. And I think these guys are the best three of all time. I think we could all agree that they are. Maybe we don't agree on the order, but we would agree these are the best three front men of all time. I know that I'm going to hurt some feelings with this, but number three for me is Robert Plant. And I can I can hear you now, oh, Steve, come on. No. I get it, man. And, it, and it, that's what makes this so difficult is because all three of these guys are just legends. Robert Plant, though, man, vocally – you know, it's like even when he hits those big notes, it always comes off so masculine. You know, some people, when they get in their higher register and they, they maybe even sing falsetto or something, you didn't hear Robert Plant do a lot of that. It always, to me, always came across very masculine and forceful and soulful. I think he is the greatest blues singer, perhaps, of, of my lifetime. But a lot of people will go Led's up on four, and I think that's a cop-out. For me, it's in through the outdoor, and I went with In the Evening. In the Evening, I love that one. I love John Bonham's drum track on it. I think it's a phenomenal song. Okay, number two, and a lot of people would say this guy's number one. Dave Murray, your friend, Dave Murray, been around forever and a day. You know, Dave probably uh, saw a young version of the Rolling Stones, probably when they were the Rolling Pebbles. 
David recently went and saw them in Charlotte. Isn't that cool? Dave, even at his advanced age, still going to rock shows. I love it, man. Him and Kathy went and watched them there in uh, Charlotte in the stadium and sent us some video. It's it's phenomenal, man. But Mick Jagger, my favorite album from the Stones, it's got to be Sticky Fingers, right? It has to be. Even though it's only rock and roll is a great one, too. Uh, But I went with Wild Horses. And, you know, I'm not a big Bowed guy, number one, so we don't have enough Bowed, number one, but I had to sneak one in here. I think Wild Horses is one of the most beautiful love songs of all time. It absolutely is. I guess the Sundays had an incredible version of it. If you haven't listened to that, the female vocalist of the Sundays singing Wild Horses, it'll give you chills, man. It's haunting. There's also some really good live footage of the Stones back in the day on the Sticky Fingers tour performing this live. It's better than the original. Watching them perform it live and uh, hearing the authenticity of Mick Jagger's voice, I think gives the song different dimension. So Wild Horses off of Sticky Fingers from Mick Jagger is number two. Number one, and if you know anything about me, you know the very first album that I ever bought with my own money was Queen's The Game. And I was so proud to get it. I didn't even know what sales tax was. And I had like saved up my birthday money. And guys, I was, I was eight years old. And I knew what I wanted. I had to have it. And so I saved up birthday money and like I would collect nickels and dimes, anything I could find. And I finally had a birthday and I finally got, I think it was $11 to go buy the record. I think that's right. It's 11 bucks. And for some reason, that record was a little bit more expensive than the others. And I go to the counter to pay for it, and I've got my $11, and she rings it up, and I'm basically a dollar short because I don't have tax. And so my stepdad had to give me a dollar that I had to work for later. I had to do some odd jobs around the house to earn that $1. And I bought Queens the Game, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life that, you know what, I have this record. I can listen to Freddie Mercury and Queen whenever I want to. I don't have to call up WFFF and beg them to play a song for me anymore. I can listen to this whenever I want to. And the song that pulled me in is Another One Bites of Dust. Another One Bites of Dust. Absolutely, without question, uh, Deaky's bass line on that is phenomenal. And so, Trice, thanks so much for the idea. This was a lot of fun to put together. I hope you guys enjoyed the list. I think this, listen, this is the thing too. There's not a miss on this list. Everybody on here is legendary in their own respect. And then these songs are just next level every one of them i think you're going to love this list this was a wonderful idea trice again thanks so much for the suggestion if you have an idea for the top 10 list reach out and let me know and the ideas have been coming in fast and furious in fact i owe some text to roy to kind of get some of your ideas on the list or you can reach out to roy directly uh, on twitter at dogmatic67 and you can follow him on spotify dogmatic67 and, of course, thanks to Izzy Mandelbaum for putting these up on Apple Music for us. And, and you guys, this thing has become a monster. It's become its own thing. And I want to thank you guys uh, for all your feedback. Appreciate that so much. Okay, let's get back to recapping the recruiting class. This segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You will, too. You probably already do. There's Standing Man. There's Miss Kathy Brown. There's a lovely, talented Susie. There's Candy. She was a former cheerleader and diamond girl. How about that? How about that? How's that for a combo right there? You know the guy married to her is really lucky, right? Has to be. That guy's got to get up every day and think, you know what? I don't know whatever I did, man. But thank you. I'm winning at life. 
I'm winning at life. I got a diamond girl and a cheerleader all wrapped up in one package. And obviously that guy's a friend of mine, right? Uh, he absolutely is. And so, listen, there are great people up there. I love going up there. And it's not just because it's me. I used to shop there before anyway, and they all they treat me better now because they all know my name, right? But uh, the reality of it is I've always felt at home at Campus Bookmark. You will too. There's no change in ownership. There's no, uh, you know, there's no, there's no new managers. You know, it's, it's the same Stark Billion institution it's always been. Go by, check them out. You'll be glad you did. If you can't make it to town to go see the latest in Mississippi State merch, Visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. You owe it to yourself. You got 10 days. 10 days till Christmas. When I'm, and by the time you listen to the show, you're going to have nine days. It's time to panic. So reach out and let Miss Kathy and us folks take care of you. Again, campusbookmark.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's get back on the defensive side of things. I really like the way this defensive class is filling out. I absolutely do. Now, we got to go get a couple DBs. We do. But... The front seven, what we are putting together here, is outstanding. It is absolutely outstanding. I remember last year, Jeff Phelps, we mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of criticism last year during the process about defensive line recruiting, and then he puts together a great class. This one's even better. This one's even better. All right, so let's break this down a little bit. You currently, now according to this list here, you got five guys committed for the defensive line. Five, we had talked about signing four. We had an opportunity to get a fifth. We've taken him. So the one guy that didn't sign, R.J. Moss, we've talked about him before. I expect him to be fine. I think he'll be a February signee. I think he'll report with the rest of the class in the summer, and everybody will be happy. You picked up three new ones today. Prior to today, you had Don Terry Russell, the younger brother, DeMonte Russell. Now, Don Terry probably a little bit thinner, than DeMonte was coming out of high school. But if you see DeMonte today, you think, you know what, Don Terry can get to be that size, that athleticism, uh, we'll be happy to have him. Don Terry Russell has an explosive front step coming off the edge. He will be a great pass rusher. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to be as good as Montez Sweat, but when you look at where he is kind of size-wise, that's how Montez looked coming in from Cole Inn. Now, you see Montez today, he's an absolute freak. But when he first got here, you know, he was kind of an undersized guy that needed to hit the weight room, and he did. And you remember that first year, it's like he led the nation in quarterback hurries. He couldn't finish because he couldn't get off blocks. He had to use his natural athleticism to free himself. He couldn't just kind of use him and use technique to get by people. Don Terry, I think, is cut from the same cloth. If he gets anywhere near as good as Montez, well, we'll be thrilled. So, again, I'm not comparing them to from ability. I'm just kind of comparing them to size-wise. But you add three defensive linemen today. Let's start with Calvin Dinkins, who was the first. There was a lot of discussion that Calvin Dinkins was going to wait and sign in February. Alabama had begun flirting with him. They had mentioned, hey, if you wait to February, maybe we can bring you in for a visit in January. 
Florida had offered the new staff in Florida. Billy Napier and his crew, of course, had recruited Calvin to Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, he's a former Southern Miss commitment. He has uh, about a dozen offers or so. But Calvin is a natural three-tech. And you go watch his film. People talk about playing with a flat back. Go watch him. That is the perfect illustration of what we're looking for. There are a lot of guys, you, know, you have knee benders and waist benders, right? We don't want waist benders. We want knee benders because they can be explosive. Go look at Calvin Dinkins. This is exactly what we want in an interior offense, defensive lineman. Exactly. He is a country-strong guy that's getting by on athleticism right now. Just imagine what he's going to do with a year or two in the weight room and a year or two of college coaching. Somebody asked me to make a comparison. Josh Boyd, that's who he reminds me of. And I think he actually might have a little bit better motor than Josh did coming out of Philadelphia High School. You know, Josh is a guy, too, that kind of got bound. It's kind of being bigger and stronger than everybody. I think Calvin might be a, a little bit quicker than Josh Boyd. And, that, and that's, that's a big compliment right there because Josh Boyd played some good years for Mississippi State. Played as a true freshman. Have you forgotten that? Okay, so Trevion Williams – Really a surprise to nobody. It's like this guy was more like a relief, right? It, was more, it wasn't like a surprise. It was a relief. We expected him, and he is woefully underrated at 90. You said, well, Steve, he's a four-star. He's underrated. You go, did you watch the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game? You see that guy out there playing? The guy's a difference maker. People say, well, Steve, who do you compare him to? Is he Jeff Simmons? No, he's not. And we probably will never have another Jeff Simmons. You know, Jeff Simmons is probably the first guy, maybe since like Glenn Collins, that's been able to play at that level. People forget how good that defensive front was in 81. And so it's almost like a once-in-a-generation type thing that we get a guy like that. You know, you had Tyrone Keyes, you had Johnny Cooks, you had Billy Jackson, you had Glenn Collins. I mean, you know, the, the, there's a reason we remember those names. And there's not a lot of guys between now and then. And, you know, Fletcher Cox is a guy that could probably be in that conversation too. And people say, well, you know, Chris Jones had a great career. Guys, you know, Chris had a good career at Mississippi State. The second half of his, his junior year was outstanding. If he had played at that level his entire time, he'd probably be a you know, consensus All-American every year. Chris's best football came in the National Football League. He had some flashes, and there were some games he did take over. But you know, there were times he kind of got pushed around. And we loved the guy. But I think he would admit he didn't always go hard early in his career. It took him a while to kind of acclimate to college uh, football, and he did. But Trevion Williams, I think, has the makings of the next great Mississippi State defensive lineman. And that's saying a lot considering what we've signed the last couple of years. And that's the thing when you look at this, when you look at what we had this year on the front, you didn't have a guy you had to scheme against. You just didn't. Randy Charlton, a guy that can be disruptive at times. Ty Weed, of course, was a linebacker kind of walking up there uh, in a two-point stance near the line of scrimmage, kind of as a Russian type guy. Probably the one guy you had to account for in a pre-snap read. But we haven't had a guy that could take over a game. I think Trevion Williams has that ability. Now, where's he going to end up? He's already 254 pounds. Is he going to slide inside? You know, he's not going to be a zero or one or a shade or anything like that. But is he a guy that's going to be a D-tackle? You know, what, what, what is he going to be a weak side defensive end? You know, I, I like him with a hand in the ground. I don't know that I like him with two hands in the ground. But uh, the reality of it is this guy can do pretty much whatever we need him to do. He is an explosive player. If you watch his film, you'll be incredibly impressed. And then this evening, 
the last commitment of the day. And it kind of worked out well because he was doing a 3.30 signing just before the uh, press conference. And a great way to cap the day, flipping a commitment from Ole Miss. Now, let me go ahead and let you guys know. Some of you guys have already suspected this. Yes, we knew. We have known for days this is going to happen or that we expect it to happen. We knew that it was trending in this direction. But it doesn't help Mississippi State if we start offering all these opinions about rumors that we hear and things like that. So we were trying to be careful and at the same time respectful of the young man and his family. If there is nothing brewing, maybe if we have the wrong read on this and we put that stuff out there without getting some confirmation from the family, you probably put them in a bad situation. Now all of a sudden the pressure gets ramped up at the end, you know, and that happens some anyway. And the truth of the matter is if, if we had to do it in hindsight, if we had the gift of hindsight, I would not have put out last weekend that he was on campus. I absolutely wouldn't have. And there are a couple reasons why. Number one, he wouldn't have had to deal with all this back and forth with people texting him. You just let him kind of cruise on then a signing day, and then we flip him on signing day, and it would have made the blindside flip oh so sweet. So that's one of the things, if this situation arises in the future, I'm going to get with our guys and we're going to talk about it. I'm going to say, listen, Let's just kind of wait on this. Let's just kind of wait. Because as great as it was to kind of get that information out there and everybody got all excited thinking, oh, we're fixing to flip him. You know, we don't have to deal with any of the the phone calls from the Ole Miss coaching staff, right? But the the player and the family does. And so I, I think in hindsight, we would have probably been better not letting that out there. Just let him come on in, have the visit, and then let's flip him on signing day. And then it would have been so incredibly sweet because everybody, all they've had a chance to kind of prepare for it, right? You know, even like even the fans and the media were like, "Oh, this, you know, maybe this is going to happen," or "I think he's going to stick. He's not going to stick." You know, but if you get an signing day, it's just one of those things. You know, it's like, okay, well, this is what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden you get blindsided by it, and it's like, oh, well, how did I see that coming? So if I had to do it over, that's what I would do. But I absolutely love Jacarius Clayton. I loved him before. I liked him as an offensive lineman. He wants to play defensive line. And I think based on our needs, probably the position, let's go ahead and roll with that. But he is up to like six, six and a half right now. And so if it doesn't work out, he can always flip over and play offensive tackle. I think he's quick enough uh, to play tackle. And that was one of the things that I, when I watched this junior film, I wasn't quite sure that he was quick twitch enough to play interior defensive line. He might be able to play like a weak side DN spot. We'll see. But I think when you've got a guy that size and athleticism, you just kind of take him and let him figure out where he fits in is where he gets in. Now, as much as I like this defensive line class, and I do, I do, I like the linebacker class even more. I shared this earlier on the radio with Jake Wimberly. I said, you know what, Jake, this linebacker class reminds me of that class we signed a few years ago that had a guy named Nathaniel Watson, Aaron Brule, and Jed Johnson in it. And I told you guys then it was going to be so great to watch these guys, guys grow up together. Now, here's what's interesting about that group, and this is one of the things maybe you have forgotten. Jed Johnson was the only true linebacker in the group. You see, oh, Steve, no, no, you're wrong. Jet was the only backer. Aaron Brule was a converted safety. Do you remember that? 
Nathaniel Watson was a wide receiver. Remember, he held out and took some visits trying to find a wide receiver scholarship somewhere, and everybody liked him on defense. So he comes here. So you have three guys that are elite athletes that come in and they kind of learn to play college football together. And to be honest with you, Jets' learning curve was probably a little slower than I expected, considering that he was a linebacker. Bookie Watson got here, and I remember, guys, I used to I used to want to pull my hair out. I would read these reports about how great Nathaniel Watson was doing in practice. I'm at practice. And he didn't know the drills. And that's not a criticism of him. But that first year, he was really guessing. He was thinking. Because he didn't know quite what to do. It wasn't instinctive for him yet. And look at what he is now. Look at what Aaron Brule was. And Aaron didn't have a great year this year. He didn't. He played really well down the stretch. But he didn't have his best year. And some of that was due to the emergence of Jet Johnson. So as much as I like that group, you only had the one real true backer in the group. Everybody else had to learn to play backer. That's one of the things I like about this one. They have that same level of athleticism. But guess what? They're all linebackers. How exciting is that? And so there are going to be some things they're going to be ahead of the game on because they have played the position extensively throughout their high school careers. This is an outstanding linebacker class. Outstanding. One of the better linebacker classes we've signed in recent years. So it starts with the first one, Khalid Moore. And people forget how good this guy is. He's the second highest rated backer in the class. But Khalid Moore, a lot of people thought, oh, well, this is going to be a state Ole Miss battle. And there really was no battle. It was Mississippi State. Got eight offers early, completely shut it down. You know, 6'2", 210-pound guy that can really run. And if you watched the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, he was one of the stars on defense for Mississippi. He was very disruptive. He was everywhere, had that very athletic interception. This is a guy, too, from a great family. This is a guy who's got a great father. This is a guy that committed to Mississippi State and said, you know what, I've seen enough, I've done enough. He came and visited us on his own. Even though the dead period was going on, had no interaction with the staff, went home, committed, and done. And it's like people forget about him. And then all of a sudden you see the Miss Al game, we're like, wait a minute, that guy's committed to Mississippi State? Yeah, yeah, he is. And if he commits today, we're, we're having a parade through the streets of Starkville. This guy can really play. He's one of my favorite players in the state of Mississippi. He's ranked 11th in the state, which I think is a joke. I'm telling you, you're going to look back one day and say, you know what? That guy was outstanding. If he stays healthy, this guy's going to make a lot of plays for Mississippi State. Jave Gilmore. So this is kind of how it was in the beginning. It was kind of like, hey, if we get Stone Blanton and uh, Khalid Moore, we're probably done at backer because we don't have to have another backer. We'll take two and be happy with that. Well, then Jave Gilmore comes around, and he comes to camp, and he shows some return interest. The next thing you know, it's like, hey, We'll take him as our best available on defense because he's simply too good to pass on. He came to camp, hung out, committed from Amy, Louisiana, which is a hotbed of talent there in southeastern Louisiana. This guy is an outstanding player. Go watch his film. He hits with bad intentions, 6'4", 200 pounds, and can absolutely get downhill on you in a hurry. Long, lean guy, get out, can cover. Also played some at tight end. 
This guy's got good dexterity. And then today we add Avery Sledge. Out of Forest County AHS, he flips from Tulane. Well, that's one thing's interesting too. People are like, well, Steve, we have guys flip from us. We never flip anybody. We flip three today. One from Tulane, one from Kentucky, and one from Ole Miss. Avery Sledge, another guy that's kind of reminiscent of Bernardrick McKinney in some respects. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to be BMAC and go to the league. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he's the same brand of athlete. Kind of long, lean, athletic, 6'3", 210. Played quarterback, played summit backer. Similar situation as Bernardrick, where he was just the best athlete on the field on both sides of the football. Going to play backer for us. And I love when you begin you begin to break it down, you're 6'2", 210, 6'3", 210, 6'4", I mean, it's prototypical. And these are guys that can play against a spread. These are guys that can play against people that want to play in a phone book. They're going to be physical guys that can really get out and run. The game has changed. You know, we're throwing the ball more. We're working the edges more. They're, throw, they're running the bubble screens more. You know, we're not lining up in two tights and trying to get downhill. So you don't have to have that big, beefy Mike linebacker anymore. You better have somebody that can run. But we just signed three guys that can really run. You go watch Avery Sledge's tape when he's playing quarterback, and he'll take the zone read, and there's two plays on his senior footage. And on these two plays that he splits two safeties that have the angle on him and simply outruns them. You're watching and thinking there's no way. And then yes, yes way. Yes way, Ted. Yes. He's running free into the end zone. The guy has – Elite top-end speed. I don't know what he ran at camp. I don't know what he ran in a combine. I know what he runs on tape. And we talk about this guy's got next man speed. That's Avery Sledge. He's faster than the next man. However fast he needs to be to beat that guy, that's who he is. Love the linebacker class. I think it is the strength of the defense. And, again, I like this D-line class even better than last year because I think you've got a true difference maker in Trevion Williams. I like the linebackers even more. I think Zach Garnett's done a great job identifying linebacker prospects and getting them to campus. All right, so we're going to do DBs as a whole here. And we're about halfway done with defensive back recruiting. About halfway done. We have one safety and two corners. So Adavian Collins is a corner that committed to us out of Newton High School in Covington, Georgia. We thought we were going to have to fight to keep him. Because he's a freak. Now, he is a guy that may be 5'11", and maybe that kept some people away. But he's got a pretty freakish wingspan, so his catch radius is, is probably better than his height, if you know what I'm saying. It, I think he's a little bit disproportioned in the right way. But we wondered, you know, if Auburn or somebody like that would get involved or Georgia Tech. Well, he didn't. So we coached right in the signing day. And we signed him without any trouble. Then we had Wesley Miller. And this is another guy kind of like Khalid Moore. People were so worried when he started collecting all these offers. You know, Florida State and Tennessee and everybody else. Oh, we're going to lose this kid. We didn't. And this is one of those I told you so moments. I remember I told you guys he was about to commit. Nobody believed me. Like, oh, why here he's going to go through this? No, no, no. His mom, very involved in his life, wants to be involved in going to ball games, that sort of stuff. And Wesley is a guy that really values family too. 
And I think the recruiting process was starting to get a little bit overwhelming. Everybody's like, hey, we want you to come here. It's like, God, you know, I'd love to take those trips, but, you know, guys, I'm going to Mississippi State. And he told me the other day after his visit, Mississippi State is where I always wanted to go. I love to hear that, right? Because there's some guys out there, we go recruit, and it's like they're doing us a favor. Wes Miller saw it an honor to go to Mississippi State. Going to be a dog safety for us. Play for Coach Tony Hughes. Excited about his future. We needed to get an older corner, at least one. We got it done. One of the biggest recruiting battles of the day, the Carlos Nicholson. Previously committed to Mississippi State on projection only. He was an offensive player. He played some corner this year. 6'3", 200 pounds, originally out of Petal High School. He decommits from us. We expect him to go to Florida State. There were some people saying, you know what? Don't give up on State getting him back. And there were times I wanted to. I said, you know what? I don't know. But Darcel McBath didn't give up. And he has taken a bit of a beating by some of our fans at times. And, and some of it's warranted, okay? Let, let's be honest. And I think we took some guys early, two years in a row, and then our evaluation didn't hold. We like them in the spring. We see their film. We get excited about them. And then they come to camp, and we're kind of like having some buyer's remorse. And they get into the season, and we see their senior film. And maybe they've got a little case of senioritis, and we're thinking, I don't know. And so we move on from them. And then we're playing catch-up. So we got to make sure our evaluations hold. And I think some of that, too, is kind of a byproduct of us not having a spring evaluation period two years in a row. I think this next year, because we'll have a, a true spring eval, if we take a kid in the spring, I think he sticks this year for 2023. Because I think we're going to have a better idea of what we're looking at. And you watch those guys on film for 18 months, and you think you know, and then all of a sudden you see them in person, they're not quite as impressive without the pads on. I think that's been part of our issue with cornerback evals. Because if you look at the pathology of that, in both years, we didn't get a chance to see kids in the spring. We didn't. Because we had this uh, quarantine stuff, right? And then even after the quarantine ended, you know, we still had the NCAA-mandated dead period that didn't get lifted until June. So we take a chance – and then we see him up close and personal. It's like, wait a minute, mm, making a mistake here. And for some reason, that has been a bigger issue at corner than perhaps it does anywhere else. And maybe McBass a little pickier. I don't know. But this is one he didn't give up on. And so we think he's going to go to Florida State. He does, and he ends up committing to Kentucky. Then all of a sudden, Ole Miss gets involved. They think they've got some juice, and I've got some stories I can tell you about that a little bit later at the time. They never had any juice with DeCarlos Nicholson. Never. Never. They thought they did, but they didn't. There's some things that I learned that I'll, I'll share with you guys at some point. Um, he just never felt at home there. It just didn't feel like there was a fit. So, DeCarlos, uh, last night I was told, hey, it, it's still down between State and Kentucky, but, uh, you know, State seems to be the leader. And it's easy to commit to Kentucky, you know, if you're from Pelham, Mississippi, when you don't have to leave for six months. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, it's December 15th. Wait a minute, i got to leave in two weeks and move to Lexington. And I mentioned that last night, and I think that became part of the issue. And, you know, that's that thing about that long-distance relationship, right? 
like it all seems so fun. And it's like, hey, you know, let's just, uh, we'll just kind of talk and text or whatever. Hey, but when are you moving out here? Well, you know, I'd love to. Wouldn't it be great if we had life together? Yeah, it'd be great. Hey, but when are you moving out here? Well, maybe I'll come visit. Okay, we'll come visit and see if you like it. Well, then you come visit and it's like, yeah, this is a great place. But man, I got all my stuff back home. All my friends are back home. My family's back home. I don't know if I want to leave my life here. Do I like you that much? Well, that's what happens with D. Carlos Nicholson in Kentucky. This was home. This allowed him to kind of continue his life here. He's a Mississippi guy. And Kentucky did a great job on him. Give those guys a lot of credit. They just didn't do a good enough job to sign him. Simple as that. All right, so that's your group. Now, we need to kind of take an inventory here, and uh, we will do that. This last segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You guys are well aware of Portico by now. I've had people that will run into me on the street on that game day weekend and say, Steve, we went by Portico, check it out. It really is a nice place. It is. It needs to be your new home. Whether it be your retirement home, your second home, your primary residence, Portico has a plan and a place for you. A lot of things are happening soon. They're getting the, the concrete poured to get the road finished. Going to start pouring some slabs in phase two. Phase one's completely sold out. Very easy to get to, off 82, on a 12, first right, Pat Station Road, cross the, the, the intersection there at Old West Point Road, boom, there you are. You're 1.1 miles from campus. You hadn't lived that close to the Mississippi State campus since you were a student here. How nice would it be to be close? And listen, you're not in the Cotton District, okay? So you're not going to have people like sleeping on your porch or anything. Not going to happen. You're in a nice residential development. Got that great walking trail. You got nice neighbors. And maybe, again, maybe it's your ball game weekend retreat place. Maybe it's where you keep all your tailgate stuff. Either way, we can get you accommodated at Portico. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath house. Maybe that's perfect for you. Maybe you've got a growing family. Maybe you've got a lot of grandkids. And everybody comes and stays with you ballgame weekends. Maybe you go with a four-bedroom, four-bath house. Maybe that's what you need to do. The guy that can answer all of your questions and kind of get you going. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you if you have a real estate agent and you're moving to Sargville and they're not telling you about Portico, you need to demand they do. Say, you know what, I want to go see these places. I want to go see new construction at Portico. Brooks Bryan can get you all your information and, and got some great stories about Pat McMahon too. So maybe, and trust me, he is in always in a hurry to talk Mississippi State baseball. Brooks Bryan is a great guy, man. And I, I didn't know what a great guy he was when he played at State, you know, because I was just like a, a guy in the stands. Now that I've gotten to know him, I'll be honest with you guys, he is the kind of guy I would do business with. Give him a call today, 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. Okay, so we know what we have. So what do we have left? Well, we know that we can sign 26. We talked about this before. We've got 18 officially signed, and we've got two more. And then we'll add two more. So that would leave you four grants, right? Well, there'll be a couple more that'll pop open for us. And so if A.J. Allen wants to come, that's a running back out of Neville High School. Yeah, you take him. You take him because what if Dakota, Dakota Jordan goes pro in baseball and elects to forego a college football future? You want to take a running back every year. You do, kind of like a quarterback. Not to mention running backs, by and large, are, are generally the most athletic guys on the team. They usually have great hands. They usually have great vision. They usually have great speed. 
You can make those guys receivers. You can make them linebackers. You know, you can make them running backs. But they're generally the best athlete on the high school team. In most situations, even more so than a quarterback. So we mentioned uh, the offensive line thing. So here's how this is going to play out. Had Mississippi State signed four high school offensive linemen, let's say Trent Ramsey had come. He didn't. He went to Cal, just like we predicted he would yesterday. And you get Percy Lewis, right? So if you had those five, you would go get a guy to portal for sure. Because I think you need two stopgap guys. Does that make sense? So that would have given you six offensive linemen. Well, you end up signing three high school guys and Percy Lewis. I still think you need a stopgap guy. That's what I believe will happen. I don't think you go sign another high school offensive lineman. I don't. I think you're happy with what you have. You put these young guys in a developmental pipeline. You, you, you use Percy Lewis as one of your tackle spots for this year. But I think you need another one. Even if it's just to provide some competition for Albert Reese. Is Albert Reese ready after one year? Is he ready as a redshirt freshman to be a starter in the SEC? Maybe not. But it'd be nice to have a little security there. Say, hey, if I can go get a guy that's already got a couple of years under his belt, then that's what I'm going to go do. And so look for State to take a portal offensive lineman, if that makes sense to you. Now, there are a couple of guys out there that I know that, um, you know, we're kind of targeting. We've discussed some of these guys on the, the jeanspage.com message boards, you know. Um, there's one guy in particular that I wanted to share with you guys that just to be mindful of this, okay? Be mindful of this as we get into uh, the next couple of weeks. Mason Brooks, and he his, he's been in the portal now for about 10 days. Things have exploded. They run a similar scheme to us. He would be a good fit for us. Gives him a chance uh, to go and play in the Power Five. Now, I read that there was some possibilities that he might go pro. But I'm, I'm being told he, he's going in the portal to see if he can maybe get a Power 5 opportunity and improve his draft stock. So it's a good chance that he comes back and plays next year. One, he's probably a one-year guy, which probably works well for us timing-wise. Because I think Albert Reese, just one more year, I, mean, I think Albert Reese is, yeah, with two years under his belt, he's ready to go and be your starting right tackle. So if we can get kind of a rent-a-tackle for a year – it makes perfect sense. So look for State to take another offensive tackle out of the NCAA transfer portal. You like what you've got. You want to add that. You're done. What about wide receivers? Well, we talked about Chambers. I'm told State might actually take two receivers out of the portal. You're like, Steve, what? I expect some attrition at the position, okay? I think there are some guys that will probably leave for playing time. And maybe that's just me kind of forecasting. We've talked about we expect some transfers. I thought they would go after the Egg Bowl, but I think guys are going to wait after the bowl trip because they don't have to sign in December, right? They can still wait and sign. And as you saw, Janari Dean took him a day. But I think you're going to see some guys at the wide receiver position leave. Not a bunch. I don't think it's a bunch of notables either. But I think you're going to see State take at least one transfer wide receiver, which would give you five, maybe to maybe and I think where that maybe scholarship comes from is what we talked about with the offensive line we would have ideally taken six but if we can get two older guys we'll take five and I think that gives you the flexibility to shift that grant to wide receiver 
if you can find a difference maker. We're not going to take a guy that's a take a guy. We mentioned having just three DBs. Well, we need six. We didn't have a great DB class last year. Yeah, we added Jalen Green, but let's be honest, outside of that, it was kind of developmental city. Well, that will catch up with us pretty quickly if we're not careful. So I expect a corner. I expect two safeties. You're like, Steve, you're serious? Yes. Yes, I do. I think ideally we'd like to get two older safeties, whether it be from JUCO or the portal. And I think we'd like to get an older corner. Now, of course, Marcus Banks visited last weekend. He hadn't signed with anybody. There's a lot of discussion that he may take a couple more days uh, and then make a decision. We'll see how things progress on that front. I was not very hopeful yesterday that we were going to get him. I'm a little more positive today. I'm not saying that he's leaning our direction, but we remain in the game. And the fact that Jason Washington has a pre-existing relationship with him helps us tremendously. Maybe that's your corner. Now, all of a sudden, you look back and say, wait a minute, you got Aldavian Collins and you got Banks and you got Nicholson. Yeah, we've done really well. We've done really well. And then you go get a, a safety and probably two. So, again, one offensive lineman, a tackle prospect, a corner, two safeties, and one to two wide receivers. That's what you're looking at out of the portal. And then you probably got to get a running back somewhere unless you get some assurances that Dakota Jordan's not going to go pro. And he can't offer those to you uh, until we get into the season. That guy, is uh, his bat speed is incredible. That's a guy, too, that um, could play some really good football for us and baseball for us at Mississippi State. So we'll see how things progress. But that's kind of how things look right now. Now, will there be any other additions this week? I don't know. You know, I guess Marcus Banks is a guy that could decide. I mean, A.J. Allen could wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, I'm going to go to Mississippi State and be done with all this, or I'm going to bet on myself and wait till February. We just don't know yet. But the reality of it is State has done well meeting needs, and we've nearly met them all on the offensive side. So, again, no less than two more offensive players, possibly three or four, if you can get A.J. Allen. And if you don't, you know, immediately may go get another guy. And then to top it all off, we're going to get a kicker. We will scholarship a kicker and probably, you know, probably invite a ton of walk-on punters in here to come in and work with us. And so we'll see. But we're, we're addressing our deficiencies in special teams for sure. That's how I see it today, guys. And uh, I want to thank you guys so much for all your support of the Boneyard. And, uh, it, uh, guys, it's a great day. I mean, it really is. It's a great day. It's a great start. We still have to finish the class. If we stopped right now, it wouldn't be enough, right? we got to go ahead and – and finish this deal, and we got to work the portal hard. You know, we were in this position last year and uh, got some nice transfers, of course, with Makai Polk and Randy Charlton and, and uh, Jalen Green and Jameer Calvin. Really felt good about those guys. We didn't address our needs in a defensive secondary, and so that carries over to this year. That has to be the number one priority as we kind of move forward. There are a lot of guys out there. If you get A.J. Allen, it's kind of a bonus, right? You go get a portal tackle, that's probably a necessity. You go get two more wide receivers, that's probably a bonus. Now, Steve Spurrier would probably disagree with me, but you can play with what you got and what you've already added. But if you can get a difference maker or two, you go get it. This is a team that's poised to win next year. And if you go get a couple difference makers at, at some key positions, you may be in a spot to win really big next year. And, again, we're just trying to get the train rolling. Uh, excited about all this stuff, and you should be as well. 
And again, if, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You can order. Again, not, I'm not expecting to make it for Christmas, and we had talked about it for a long time. I'm not expecting it. Uh, they have given me some assurances that we will have it in January. So um, that's what I'm kind of focused on, January. And I will give you an actual release date. My agent is actually on vacation right now. He communicates with the publisher. He'll be back next week. So hopefully I can give you an actual release date. Uh, but it's been this has been an educational experience for me because every time I've written a book, well, we get it back in like six weeks. You know, I finished August 26th. So you can understand where I'm thinking. Okay, we finished by September 1st. We'll have this maybe late October at the latest early November. And then here we are in mid-December. We still don't have it. They say there's a national paper shortage. And many of you have reached out and said, hey, Steve, they're not just messing with you. It's true. We're dealing with this too. And thank you for that. Thank you for that. I've had a lot of people in the in the writing business and in the book industry that said, hey, Steve, this is a problem for everybody. So I don't feel so, I guess, picked upon. But the reality is I worked really hard on this book, and I want you guys to have it. And I know you want to be able to give it to the people you love. And so uh, we'll have it to you soon. And uh, if I can promise you the day that they're coming and being offloaded, I'm going to be wherever they are, and I'm going to start signing your books and they're going to get them in the mail to you. And I'm going to be happy you have it. We'll get them in bookstores, and you guys are going to be excited to get it. And um, I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. But in the meantime, you can find the other books at great bookstores all across the country. And if they don't have it in stock, they can order it for you, or you can order online at dogpilethebook.com. Uh, Blooms of Oleander, available through Amazon, Books of Megan, and barnesandnoble.com. If you want it personalized, call Book Martin Cafe. I'm happy to run down there and sign it for you. But you guys have been so incredibly supportive of me. I'm very, very grateful. And I, people still hit me up about the Stark Villain shirts. I don't even really wear them that much any often, you know, because it's been a couple of years since I wrote that book. Maybe I should wear them again. But, yeah, you can find them at StarkVillains.com. It's been great. Uh, and it means a lot when I see people at ball games and they're wearing a Stark Villain shirt. I'm like, hey, that, that's me, you know. Uh, so, again, thank you guys so much. And I hope you guys enjoyed our coverage over at JeansPage.com. Uh, we're going to hang in here and we'll be with you giving you updates all the way to NAFL signing day there in February. So if you want to kind of keep up with the, the portal prospects, the best way to do is subscribe to Gene's page. That's going to do it for today. We'll see you on Friday. But until then, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.